0: Truth and preservation of our soul shine. I can feel it, yours and mine. Close your eyes and witness it inside. In your bones, you will know. Trust and let go, and let it flow.
1: All Things in the Name of Love, Episode 9, How to Find Joy After Loss with Misty Thompson. I want to start out with a quote, learn how to see, realize that everything connects to everything else, Leonardo da Vinci. We're learning about how to find joy after loss with Misty Thompson. Whether loss comes expectedly from aging or disease, or unexpectedly as a result of an accident, illness, catastrophic event, or even suicide, it has the power to bring our lives to a screeching halt, or leave us feeling numb or hopeless. During this time, it may seem or feel like experiencing happiness is fleeting or even impossible. But it's important to know that our departed loves want us to move forward and feel joy once again. Joining me on today's program is Intuitive Spiritual Life Coach, the founder of Mystified Enlightenment, and the best-selling author of the new book, From Grief to Acceptance, Misty Thompson, to discuss how you can find joy in your life after loss. Misty's passion is to serve those who need support with their daily struggles and healing their grief. Guiding her clients to the life that they will begin to believe and know is gratifying instead of overwhelming. Misty currently resides in Thatcher, Arizona, and enjoys spending time with her four children and four grandchildren. Misty, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for coming.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: Yeah. Wow, your book is so powerful. I love the shift. Thank you. That you... Yeah and the awareness that you brought to me, I'm going to start off by asking this one question. Mm -hmm. You worked in a correctional facility for 25 years, and during that time, you lost your sister, right? That's correct, yes. Yeah. How did you navigate that? Because, I mean, that's that's just like, wow, um, Mm -hmm. massive emotional intensity at your job. Yes. Plus, the massive emotional intensity of losing your sister. How did you get through that?
2: Yeah. You know, it was difficult. And I, I know, looking back now, it's very clear to me that I just totally disengaged in everything. You know, I had three small children. At the time, my um, oldest daughter was seven, and my twins were like two and a half so I was really distracted with work and with my kids and with house responsibilities and you know life in general so i i really just disengaged and i just focused on my kids as much as i could but at the same time i wanted to be there for my mom cuz my mom was really struggling my sister was missing for 55 days and it was it truly was a time that it it just looking back now it just seemed like it was a movie like this really truly did not happen to our family and again yet yeah, like i said it's just i pushed everything down i i kind of put everything aside cuz i wanted to be there for my mom and for my kids and so it was a way for me just to disengage but you know as with all types of grief it did eventually boil you know it it it, it found its way to the surface for sure
1: yeah, I, I totally get that. I had an yeah. experience. I, I, I wrote a note to myself to ask you on page
0: 21. Mm-hmm. Um, this is often because from
1: our limited viewpoint, we focus on how much we miss the physical aspect of that person. Mm-hmm. Forget yep. to see the situation from a higher perspective, which considers not only the physical body, but also the soul. That resonated with me so deeply. Yeah, absolutely. My dad died 10 years ago, and he was in intensive care for three Mm -hmm. months and paralyzed from a staph infection. It was just a strange, bizarre, Mm -hmm. crazy death.
0: Oh, yeah. And the day
1: that he left his body, he was in hospice, Mm -hmm. and we left. And I get a call, I'm driving away, and I hear my phone ringing, I pull over, I know it's the hospital, we turn around, we come back, we get back into the room, I look at this body that housed my dad, Yeah, it wasn't my dad, I couldn't recognize him, Mm -hmm. it was so wild, and then I felt his soul scatter, Mm, it was like this firework that went off, and I knew intuitively, that was his soul. I felt Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, absolutely. And just, and then the struggle is trying to like wrap that around in your mind. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So for me, it's, it's been a, it, it was the impetus for my spiritual awakening, which I've been doing for the past 10 years and still on that journey. Right. Because it's a continual process. And the sure. grief, I remember after he died, I spent three months shoving the grief through intensive physical activity. Right. Because I couldn't get it out any other way because at the time I was emotionally stunted. hmm And so I got really fit for a triathlon and then I felt like I processed the grief and then I still had to do the triathlon. <laughs>
2: Exactly, you know, and you're like, "Darn it!"
1: <laughs> so, so, I mean yeah. what, was, what was your unfolding? Like, yeah. what, what, what happened when, when it came to that point where you just couldn't
2: repress it anymore? Right. Well, you know, it it was a slow process for me, and I think the the turning point for me was when I wrote my first book about my sister's experience. Well. I should say it from my mom's perspective, because my mom kept a journal of everything that was happening every single day that she was missing. And I, I knew the majority of the story, but there was things I didn't even know. My mom did ask if I would write a story about, you know, write a book about it just for, you know, of course to help people, but mainly for us to have it compiled, you know, as a book. And of course, I said yes, because I thought, hey, I've processed my grief. You know, hey, I'm good. My mom just couldn't do it. And it it was, I retired from the prison in 2015, and I started it in 2016. And it took me like a year and a half to write, because I realized, nope, I had not processed grief at all. (laughs) (laughs) So as I was writing this book, it was like I was... I was reliving the experience, but I was reliving it. Like I was really actually emotionally there. Oh, wow. not disengaged from like just being numb through the whole process. So I would work on it for a few weeks and then I would have to put it away for a month and I would just cry and cry and cry, which is very therapeutic for sure. You know, and, mm-hmm. and, So when I finished the book, that's what really, I felt really good that, I mean, again, like you said, it's a process. So you're never really over grief. And there's still times today, as I'm sure you know, and I'm sure your listeners know as well, that you might hear a song and it will just, you know, you'll feel the tears welling up. And that just actually happened to me just over the weekend, actually, about that. And, you know, and that's okay, you know, that it's just a reminder of them. But yeah, so that's what kind of, well, not kind of, that's, is what turned me um, into process, actually physically, emotionally processing my, my grief. So, and that was 20 years after she died. Mm. So in the meantime, and I think there was a reason for that. I had, you know, my kids were still small and very busy. And, you know, so I had to focus on that. Right. So of course, the timing of everything works out. And there were moments throughout those years that I did, you know, feel like I was grieving, but then I would push it back down, you know, it would start coming up, and I'd push it down. And, but, um, yeah, so I, I feel like I'm in a much better space with that right now. Being that I wrote that book, and, you know, my sister guides me, every day i mean doing the interview with you and working with the people i'm working with now on this book and she's guided me all the way for sure
1: and she okay. continues to oh that's so beautiful yeah so it brought up another thought in my head because it's it's we get this this is the club neither one of us wants to be in right so the other thing that i noticed was when i went through my grieving process Nobody knew what to do with me. Right? Because I, you know, I wore black for the first week after he died. People sent me flowers and everybody was like, "So, why do you get flowers?" I'm like, "Oh, my dad died." I don't know. Yeah. I just kind of like and I was treated like a pariah. Mhm. Because our society just doesn't get grief. And I spoke with someone recently. She said, "You know, the physical pain people are okay when you show up with physical ailments, but if you have an emotional issue, you're not mm-hmm. allowed to deal with it. And it's just such a strange thing because the emotions
2: require the most healing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you don't deal with those emotional, it does show up as physical ailments too. You know, I mean, that's mm-hmm. what's really so crazy. I mean, it's that mind, body, spirit connection for sure. Yeah. I, as
1: I have, I've, I've gratefully been able to feel my dad mm-hmm. a few times, and oh, that's great. I usually feel him when I'm outside, mm-hmm. cause that was his big thing was to teach me about the interconnectivity of life. Oh, and so that's yeah, beautiful. I'll, I'll, yeah,
0: it's a pretty amazing thing. Yeah. Oh, let me see. What else? Where I put my notes? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like uh, you're sitting right in front of me. Uh, that's funny. Okay. Oh man. Uh so how did you first
1: realize that your sister was connecting with you and, and what was your response? Was it yeah. like a a dismissal or was it like I you knew it was
2: her? Right. Um well it first happened. When she was missing, and I, I don't remember how many days she had been missing, I, I it wasn't very long, maybe ten days or so. And I was getting ready for bed, and I was laying in the bed, and I felt like somebody sat down uh, at the foot of my bed, like sitting kind of on my feet, like I felt not heavy but just a little pressure. Mm. And I just thought I didn't know. I thought maybe it was my kids or whatever. And I looked up, nobody was there, and. I got this thought and I got goosebumps all over and I got this thought that it was her. And I just kept thinking, Oh my gosh, what is happening? This is scaring me. I don't know what this is. You know, I was just like, Oh my gosh, what's happening. And you know, it was 1993. There was, I couldn't get on the internet and say, Hey, what does this mean? Has anyone Mm. experienced this? You know, it was nothing. And I just kind of ignored it, but it, you know, it kept, I kept getting different messages like that. So I would feel again pressure on my bed. I would see my pa- my plants swaying, you know, wow. I'm like, "Oh my goodness, this is weird." And then I just started talking to her in my head. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, well, I didn't I guess I didn't really talk to her. I just talked to this thing that I didn't know. I felt like somebody was there. I didn't know who it was. I mm-hmm. I suspected it could be my sister. And I just started asking questions like in my mind, I was like, "So what is who are you what do you want and she had, you know told me hey it's me what's going on i'm trying to talk to people nobody's answering me and i'm like where are you mm. and she's like you know so we just started talking and and it ended up i i realized that she didn't really know where she was at at the time
0: okay
2: and um then you know when i asked what happened to her she said it doesn't matter anymore I do not want you or mom to know the details. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I it, I guess it ended up being really bad. And we still don't know to this day exactly how she died. We have some, some ideas because her remains were found 55 days later in the desert. Um, yeah, so I just... I just said, well, you know, you need to help us, you know, help us help you. We don't know what to do. And I just started and this this span, you know, this was a span over, you know, several days and weeks. And yeah, so we ended up. Well, and interestingly, I just knew she was going to be found. I didn't know when I didn't know where, but she assured me that it was going to be okay, that she was going to be found. And that we just need to have faith and we need to stop with the um the hate the hatefulness, because mm-hmm. my sister's ex-husband was he admitted to the police that he was the last person to see her alive and and it's in the police report, and that always stuck with me because you don't know you're the last person to see her alive unless you were the first person to see her dead, you know mm-hmm. so that really just always rang out to me
0: yeah yeah and
2: and my mom was suspected him and she was just you know rightfully so losing you know going out of your mind because you can't you don't know where your daughter is even though she I mean she was 23 at the time getting ready to turn 24 but still it doesn't matter and um right Yeah, it was just a crazy, crazy like conversation I would have with my sister on this. And it was just like, you know, do not dwell on it. It's going to be okay. Do not look at the the me. Don't be mean about it. Do not be hateful about it. And, you know, it's okay. I'm fine. I'm okay. You know, but there was one thing that she did ask of me and she did ask me to forgive her because growing up, uh, we did not get along at all we were very close in age and now it's one of those things that was like a love hate kind of thing, you know, as siblings do. And we just never got along and we, we were totally complete opposites. And so as we grew up as adults, we just kind of went our separate ways. You know, I had a family and I worked full time and she connected with people who were more into the drugs and she did drugs. And so we just kind of distanced ourselves from each other. But she did ask if I would forgive her for what she had done for me or done to me, I guess I should say. But um, and of of course, I was like, of course I do. My gosh, you know, please, you know, forgive me. And and it was at that moment I knew I didn't know the details of how it was going to show up. But at that moment, I knew that she was helping me on my spiritual path. And at that moment, I helped her on her Mm -hmm. spiritual path. And that's how I knew we were always going to be connected in a spiritual sense, for sure, without a doubt.
0: Wow, that's really beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's such a curious thing to
1: awaken to your spiritual self because your mind, at least for me, I have an academic background and I'm just total yeah. sniff, 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 research, research. Mm-hmm. What you, it's not documented. How can I believe it? Right. <laughs> and, and just having that knowing. Yeah. It's, it's such a
0: crazy journey. Mm hmm. At what point did you stop second guessing?
2: Yeah. Um, Honestly, it was way, (laughs) you know, I, well, I'll just say, I felt really good about my knowing. I Mm -hmm. knew that we were connected, but when I would tell my mom about this, she's like, Oh, you're just stressed out. She's missing. You're stressed out. I think you're just imagining things. So of course, when you hear that, you're like, Oh, maybe you're right. Mm
0: -hmm. And then
2: I blocked it, completely blocked it. And as the investigation started going, my mom wasn't pleased with local law enforcement. So she hired a private investigator out of Mesa, Arizona. And he had a list of questions for my mom, you know, just to make sure he could help her with, with my sisters, finding my sister in the search for her. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions on there was, has anyone in your family been spiritually contacted? Oh, interesting. And that really, that floored me. Yeah. From an investigator.
0: Yeah. And
2: I, he had done so many of these cases he found in his experience that people were getting spiritual contact. So that's when my mom kind of believed me. That's <laughs> and wild. I think, yeah. Isn't that crazy? And I think she kind of always believed me, but you know, at the time it was like, I need know where she's at so if you if this is really happening you need to tell me where you know that kind of thing and so i think deep down she believed it was possible but she just didn't have time to believe in that at the moment Mm -hmm. you know she was really working on other things and didn't have time to be worrying about spiritual contact until the investigator talked about it and then it was at that time you know she said oh yeah misty has so i explained to my experiences and he goes yep that was absolutely your sister wow and he Yeah. Oh, he was totally convinced. And he said, the reason why I know this, he goes, when somebody passes away, their mind, body, spirit has to die for the complete being to pass on. And in a lot of times in murder cases, it happens unexpectedly and quickly Mm -hmm. that the mind and the body die, but the spirit is confused because it happens so quickly. Yeah, And so- he goes, and I'm willing to bet that she went to several different family members for help. And I'm like, that's what I was told. And and come to find out my uncle, my mom's brother, had a dream about her. But he thought it was somebody else in the dream because he didn't know my sister was missing. And, and he's always had that ability to have dreams. And um, he could, I don't want to say predict, but it was just he would have dreams and things had happened it was like you know spirit would come to him in dreams Mm -hmm. and me it would be like I would be half awake half asleep and then I would be talking to her it wasn't like a dream but he had a very vivid dream about her and yeah so so it was at that moment my mom truly believed and then um I felt like at that time there was a lot of pressure though because my mom really wanted me to talk to her all the time and it didn't work that way right you know it had to be, I had to be open. And then if there was pressure, of course that blocks it. And, and I understand more of that now, but back then I didn't know that. Right. And yeah. So, um, once she was found, I kind of closed it and it wasn't until about, and well, I should say I, every now and then I would have a phone, um, I would have like a message and it would, it would remind me of my sister or I would have, um a, a song would come on and remind me. So I knew those things happened. But as far as um like connecting with her, I never I didn't really that didn't really happen a lot until about 10 years, maybe eight years before I retired from the prison and it started opening up again. Okay. And I think it that's because she knew that I was going to be open and I was going to start doing this after retirement. To work with people with their grief and write the book, you know, they help us. It's just up to us whether we take those opportunities if we step into that. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty wild. When I look back at the story now, I just think, oh my gosh, this is. If somebody were to tell me this, I would think they were absolutely
1: crazy. Right, <laughs> you know, right. but that's what happened. I mean, like, yeah, I'm. I'm. Well, clearly, I'm not anymore. But there was a point where I was like. Who do I say I felt my yeah. dad's soul leave his body right that's crazy stuff right but it's not yeah. that's But the it isn't thing. it's like the the crazy part
2: is we deny it absolutely yeah and you know me growing up being an impressionable i mean i was young i was 25 when she when she was missing and passed so i was young you know i was impressionable mm-hmm. i didn't whatever people told me for the most especially my family i believe oh yeah you know you know, so, but then the more it started happening and the more I started connecting with other people that were like-minded, the more I realized, oh my gosh, this is real. This is absolutely real.
0: Mm-hmm. You
2: know, and, and that's in a way, thanks to the internet and podcasts like these and, you know, just um books and, you know, being open to those possibilities, more people were coming forward.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So it was, it's really. Yeah, a really great thing. Yeah, because it's,
1: it's a lonely journey.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. It truly is. Absolutely, truly is. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. I'm so glad we're living now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure.
1: It's not nearly as bad as it was.
2: <laughs> oh,
1: so through this, how do you think the loss of your sister helped you grow?
2: Yeah. Well, first of all, it it helped me to realize that there's definitely more than just this physical space. And you know, people can believe it or not, but I believe there is. And I believe that because I have a a I want to say a better connection and a better relationship with God. Because yeah. the creator created all of this and and I believe that my sister is always mm-hmm. with me, guiding me towards joy and towards happiness because of my faith and because I believe. And the more I I step into that, even on days, because, you know, we're human, even on those days when I'm not really feeling quite, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> energetic or myself or whatever, you know. I still know that it's okay because that's the human side of me. That's not the spiritual side of me. Yeah. And my spirit is joy for sure. It's just sometimes we choose whether we're going to let the emotional control and um, dictate our lives, you know, because sometimes we just get stuck in that emotional space and we don't allow, allow our spiritual side to shine and break up the clouds of that emotional hurt or pain we just sit there and we're afraid to do anything and when you're afraid, then you don't move past the joy and all of this was told to me I mean just working with my clients uh, myself, you know just my own experiences this all came from my sisters or my sister and the angels and God and All of that, you know, my sister's the one who, who guides me, you know, I have a connection with the angels, which is all God, in a sense, you know, we're all God, we're all part of that creation.
1: (sighs) That's true. So hard to
0: shake this illusion of three dimensions. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm
2: hmm. Yeah, and and that's what I do. I just try to keep remembering that, and I keep living that way, and, you know, like I said, we're human, and we kind of get, I get lazy, I'll be honest, (laughs) you know, I get lazy with my meditation or my routines, and and I realize I end up feeling worse, Mm -hmm. you know, so that meditation really helps me to connect. With my inner self, which is that connection to God, which is a connection to my sister, the angels, all of that. And when I don't do that, I do, I feel I could probably get away with it a day or two. But then if I don't, then I start feeling really crappy. I mean, it's, I, I do, I just feel I, I get cranky. I cranky angry, all of it. I just feel emotional or energetically just like low, all of it. You know, you just feel, and then it's like, Oh, I know what's going on. I've been a little bit <laughs> relaxed with my, with my connection with my sister. And
0: uh-huh. so. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah. I,
1: if I go two days mm-hmm. without meditating, my, Partner looks at me and says, I think you need to meditate.
2: <laughs> like, is it really that <laughs> um, You're like, okay, hint taken. Know, <laughs> <to yourself>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, exactly. Uh, that is exactly so. And you probably don't even, I mean, you might realize you're just feeling not yourself. But to have somebody actually tell you, yeah. you're like, okay, that's, you're right. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah, I, And you feel better. I, I immediately feel
1: better afterwards. Oh, I totally do too. And I, I've been, I'm, yeah. I'm in the process right now of um, going through some inner child work. Oh, okay. Which means I just go back, like I sit with a younger version of myself and I feel mm-hmm. into whatever I was experiencing at a certain age and I talk to her and I make her feel better and I say she doesn't have to carry whatever it is anymore and I take it from her so she can go play because that's what she is play at her core yes and like that's the scariest stuff for me is like going back and finding I didn't have a bad childhood I don't want you to think I did but I I was born with a Uh, hip that wasn't fully formed. So I was in traction at six months and I was in a body cast for 18 months after that. So Uh that, that period of my life was for an infant torture. Uh, Yeah, I bet. Wow. And so even though I know that I can actually walk because of this Mm -hmm. and I'm very grateful for it, what I haven't fully done and I'm working on it is sitting with that little girl, that little infant girl of me. Yeah. And saying, you don't have to be terrified anymore. Yeah. It's going to be okay.
2: Yeah. Because that's,
1: yeah. And it's just so weird that like you just go through life and you're like, oh, there was mm-hmm. something that happened to me. And you forget that you still haven't processed it. Exactly. And it's still there, you know, it's still there. Yeah, it's, yep. it's going it's to influence how you interact in the world if you don't address it.
2: Yes, absolutely. That is absolutely true. And, you know, that's where we can choose. As hard as it is to step into that and consider it an opportunity
0: mm.
2: or be just stuck in the fear of I'm not sure what to think or expect so just feel it. I'm com- I'm comfortably uncomfortable right now and I'm just going to stay that way. Yeah. Or you can yeah, take a step and and you know it's not always going to be easy. No. But knowing no. that you'll process that, you can move forward and then it's going to be even greater than what you imagined it would be.
1: Yeah. I mean, right now right now it's like the 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 emotion of terror yeah. as an adult is a very uncomfortable, I'll mm-hmm. say, feeling to experience. Because I don't have anything in my life right now that I'm that I should have terror about, right? But I'm not coming from the perspective of my age. I'm right. coming from a six-month-old.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Exactly.
1: And That's so that, very true. That fear is so visceral. It's like it. It's in my. A heart, yeah, and so I'm I'm releasing it slowly because it's so overwhelming,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I'm feeling uh, the lightness from it, the expansion from it. It's right. like I don't have to carry that, and it's like it's something that we're not taught. No, and just being with your emotions, absolutely, with yourself, and being quiet enough to feel that you have feelings.
2: Yes, exactly. And it's hard. It is. It is hard. But like you say, you said with you, you did it slowly, and that's perfect. You know, if that works, then not do it. You know, it's better than just being in fear the whole time, mm-hmm. and you know, not stepping into that. So that's huge. That you you should be very proud of that because that's a difficult thing to to overcome. And I know I'm still working on on some, some types of childhood things that, again, I, I mean, I, my parents divorced, but, you know, I had a pretty decent, pretty good childhood, but, you know, there are things I'm sure that are there that I'm still working on uncovering. I mean, we all do. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the thing, just yeah. popped into my head. So I'm going to, I feel like if I should mention it, you know, And that's with my dad, you know, I feel really, I feel bad for him. But at the same time, it's a choice he can make. But he is still living in the guilt of my sister's death, which was in 1993. So that 26 years ago. And I just tell him, you know, she, she knows, I mean, to me, once her, her soul went to that space she was understanding of, and she saw the bigger picture of what was happening Mm -hmm. in our human world. And she understood. And I told my dad, you need to release that. Mm -hmm. And he just won't. He says, it's my fault. I wasn't a good dad. And he goes, I was a good dad to you. You were the older one. And I was, you know, you were the first baby I held and all of this. And, Mm -hmm. but he has a lot of guilt for it. And I know my mom had a lot of guilt and she's done great work releasing a lot of her guilt. So, you know, I'm really proud of her. And, you know, she knows that there's something bigger and better waiting for her and she knows she'll see my sister again. And she, she does have little hints of my sister around where she lives and, you know um, she's released guilt, you know, and, I, I told my mom this, and I've told my dad this, you know, it's, you didn't do this on purpose to purposely, you know, knowing that she was going to, you know, run with this type of crowd and get involved in drugs and, and die this way. I'm like, Dad, you don't have that much power. You don't. Sorry. Uh, you, you can't influence. I mean, you know, unless you actually physically do the act, but you didn't have the power to to. <laughs> As an adult, she made her choices just as I did. We grew up in the same house, went through the same experiences. Maybe you showed me a little more attention, but, you know, I feel like my mom showed her a little more attention. So, I mean, I'm like, you just have to let that go because it is serving nobody. And, you know, just trust that God is, will forgive you because he feels like, nope, I I can't be forgiven. I'm like, who says I mean, God forgives, can forgive you. You just have to ask. And he knows this, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: but he doesn't believe it for himself.
1: Well, you know, it's because he hasn't sat with the emotions.
2: That's exactly right. Absolutely right. And? And, yeah, my dad grew up, you know, like being like, oh, I have to be the hard guy mm -hmm. and the tough guy and, you know, grew up Catholic. And, you know, back when my dad was younger, it was a very strict Catholic, Mm -hmm. you know, religion. And he... He was involved, you know, with um, with a school where there was nuns and, you know, and they were very like, you know, you can't show any emotions at all, which I, I and I believe there's a time and a place for your emotions. But um, yeah, if you're overwhelmed by them. You can take a time out and deal with them. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Just as you've done. And and it, that's kind of like how I was with the book. The first book, I wrote it. I was overwhelmed. I put it back. I processed for a month, whatever, and then I went back to it. I didn't give up. Right. Yeah. And that's what you have to do. And that's truly what helped me, helped me in my process writing this book. So, um, but yeah, I I really wish it would, my dad would forgive himself. I've forgiven him. I know my sister has forgiven him. So he just needs to forgive himself. Ugh,
1: it's so hard to
2: say that. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people are like this. You know, they get stuck in that, and it's hard. It's so hard because, you know, my dad is an older man now, and um, he he's not like he used to be. His life, I mean, and he had a good life. I'm, you know, but I think he could have had a a better life had he just forgiven himself. His heart wouldn't have been so yeah. heavy. Throughout yeah. the years, for yeah. sure. Yeah.
0: Well, I am sending him peace and love. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Everybody needs it. Absolutely. Uh, can you explain the difference
1: between the Kubler Ross model of grief and your models of?
2: Sure. With the Kubler Ross method of grief, there there are phases, and I'm not saying they don't happen. They absolutely do happen. And that's grief. Grief is a crazy roller coaster of emotions. Mm -hmm. You're laughing one minute, crying the next minute, you know, happy, sad, whatever, angry. (laughs) Yeah, everything. Everything. But I just found it interesting that it only talked about the most negative ones <laughs> mm. you know and and again they do happen but you know i learned about this method or or these phases these phases of grief that they have and then so when i started grieving with about my sister and all of that process i started thinking man i'm not doing this right because yeah i'm angry but I don't feel like it's the angry that they feel Mm -hmm. like for most people, it's I'm angry that you, God, how could you take this person away from me? (laughs) I was angry because I'm like, how dare you, Stephanie? How dare you leave me? And you're up in heaven and you are in the spiritual sense and you're with God and Jesus and all these great people. And I'm stuck here on earth. (laughs) That's what I was angry about. (laughs) Not that I wanted to die, right. I didn't. But you know, it's kind of like if w- I was the good girl, I you know mm. I went to church, I did what I was supposed to. I was a good kid. So why do I have to stay and try to figure out this earth, this planet, and you get to go to uh, with the with the angels? That something's not right here. So that's so, and it's so true. And I was angry about that. So I was angry, but in a different way. <laughs> And it didn't fit to their model. And yeah. and so I was just kind of like, man, I'm doing this wrong. It doesn't feel right because I'm not, I mean, some of the things were right. You know, I felt some of these things. And, but some of them I'm just like, mm, I don't know. And then it wasn't until I wrote the book about my sister that she was telling me these, these, or this different perspective mm-hmm. on how to look at grief. That, yes, these things, these other things happen. but. She's like, Misty, you need to, you know, write the next book about focusing on the good and the love and the light of the human experience and the spiritual connection between people. And that's how I came up with mine, you know, and again, you know, you might feel angry or, you know, all of those things and and sadness and happiness and laughter. But you're also, I would hope, you're going to feel love, vulnerability, compassion, forgiveness, and gratitude as well. And that's what I wanted to focus on. And so that's what I wrote this book about. Oh, Thanks, to my sister. Wow. She told me. <laughs> so needed. Yeah, I agree. And then the more I started getting the information from her, the more it made so much sense. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, of course this makes so much sense.
1: Right. And, only ta- yeah. Well, I mean, we have this stunted grief process. Yeah, right. And we don't know how to get out of it. Yes. And, you know, yeah. we need a manual that you
2: wrote. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thanks. No, I mean, but it's true. And it, it it is just so crazy because, like you said, you get stuck in the depression mm-hmm. because, you know, that's what. The model says you're going to go through depression. And so people, you're right. Okay, I got to go through depression because it says I have to. And I don't think there are people are actually saying that, but subconsciously they are. You know, they're reading about grief and you see this model that's presented in the books and, oh, you're right. I got to be, I have to do this. But it's, it's so hard to get out of that. The only way you can get out of depression towards acceptance, I believe is through light. And with light, that always first and foremost to me means love.
0: Mm.
2: Love in general for our existence, love for God and the creator, love for yourself because you are a being of God, Mm. love for your loved one, because now they're in a perfect position to help you even more if you would just allow it. Mm. They want to help you on the other side, they have a greater perspective of what's out there and what obstacles you may need to, to overcome and those kinds of things. And they can guide you, but you know, we're human. We have free will. We have to be open to receive it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So that's yeah, the hard part is like getting out of your mm-hmm. own head. It That's exactly. And being and living with our limiting beliefs that we've always had you know like hey you know grief you just suck it up and you move on you know you can't you you're not allowed to grieve you you can't be crying you know you have to go to work you have to be strong you know you have to be strong for so and so and so we we were always conditioned to react to situations in a certain way because of you know our society tells us that or you know even my parents and that's because their parents were told that and their parents you know so and it's not like they did it on purpose or did anything wrong right. it's just that's what they knew but mm-hmm. it's time for people to look at those limiting beliefs and start really opening up to the greater possibilities of finding joy after grief and it is possible
1: yeah and 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 the biggest thing for that is sitting with those limiting Mm -hmm. beliefs because we have yep thousands of them absolutely and actually looking at them yes saying this is really true yeah Yeah. (laughs) why am i believing this because it doesn't feel right (laughs) right so why do i believe this is true oh oh i was taught yeah and you know when you're zero to five you absorb everything and you don't have the discernment so if you were taught messages, Mm -hmm. you believe them. That's right. Yeah. And so then you have to do the work Mm -hmm. um, to clear them out. Yeah, for sure. And you know, a lot of
2: my clients and even me, um, we, and I'm sure you can relate as, and your listeners, that's exactly, and you may not even think you have a limiting belief but if something doesn't feel right that's when you need to look at the, that belief and determine if it's a limiting belief and how did you come to that conclusion and was it because something told you that did you do research on it you know and then of course you know i grew up in the 70s as a young girl and then in the 80s my high school in when i was in high school me too and, yeah yeah and so you know it's kind of like you didn't really push the buttons You know, you're just like, okay, Mm -hmm. that's what the teacher told me. I'm going to believe it. But now there's more information that's come out. You know, there's, there's more research done. There's more whatever. And we're able to have, well, now we have the, the whole, you know, research at our fingertips that you can look up and you can decide yourself based on what you're researching, what you've been told, how you feel. You can make your own conclusion on what is a belief and, and you can change those limiting beliefs. Sure can. Yeah. It's just... It takes work though. I know some people like want it like, okay, I want this changed. Oh, okay. I'm good. <laughs> nope. It doesn't work that way. Well, wouldn't that be nice? Well, you know, it's it's, <laughs> it's cutting
1: out those distractions because Lord knows we have a lot of yeah. distractions and just sitting with yourself. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. That's probably exactly. the scariest thing you can do. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's also, what... but you know, It's something that needs to be done if you want to move towards, in this case, joy Mm -hmm. or acceptance. And it doesn't mean that you're okay with what happened. I'm never okay with how my sister died. Never. And again, I don't even know exactly how she passed, but I know it was not great. And um, so I'm never okay with that. Yeah. However, I don't focus on that because I can't change it. Mm Mm-hmm. I just focus on the good. And right now the good is that she is guiding me every single day. And I have a better relationship with her now than I did when we were together in the physical world, which oh, some people kind of think that's crazy, but I believe it a hundred thousand percent. I wouldn't be here with you today had it not been for my sister guiding me, without a doubt. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. She's she's got my back, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So we talk about joy. Mm-hmm. What are some simple
1: ways to make room in our hearts and minds and lives to have joy after loss? Like, yeah, some concrete examples. Yeah, definitely.
2: Well, you know, for my clients, I tell them, you know, First of all, realize you're not alone and you may feel like you're alone and you're not. So if there is a grief support group, I mean, connecting with people that are like-minded, no matter what it is, has helped some of my clients. And, and I say some of them because I live in a small town. We don't have a grief support group, but I do mm-hmm. have clients uh, all over the United States and it has helped them. So yeah, definitely realize you're not alone. The other thing is, you know, being patient with yourself. And at the Mm -hmm. same time, you know, think of it as though you want to honor your loved one. And by honoring them, you're going to be the best version of yourself. And I kind of use that too. You know, I don't, I want my sister to be proud of me. And I do that by honoring my work, which is about her. I do that every day. So whatever that is. But, you know, you have to realize that if you need some time, take it, you know, you know, be, be okay and honor yourself where you're at. The other thing, and, and, and I do need to say too, if that means you're being, you're feeling happy that day, then take it as a blessing that your loved one is smiling down on you so you can have happiness. Because in a way, they are connected to you well, not in a way, they are connected to you spiritually. So when you're having those harsh, dense, dark emotions, I feel like it weighs them down in a sense too. And they they don't feel it the same way we do, but they know you're feeling these harsh emotions. And they, re- they know, they've been an earthly person. They may not feel those feelings, but they understand them because they were human. But I don't want my sister on the other side to be pulled down by my heaviness and my depression and anger because of her death. I want her to be free. And in order for her to be free, I need to be free because we're spiritually, we are a soul connection. So I keep that in mind. And also, you know, the big thing too is faith, having faith in God, believing in God, trusting in God. And if, you know, if God is not. What you believe in, then whatever the God is of your understanding, that creator, you know, know that there's a bigger, bigger purpose and just, again, meditating will help you start to believe in that and start, you can start small, just take baby steps. And, and I think a lot of people feel like, well, today I feel like this, so tomorrow I better be healed. And, and I better feel a hundred percent better and it doesn't work that way, you know, but you know, it's one of those things. It's like you do it and then you may not feel it at all. You know, it's like your, your heart is healing and that armor around your heart is starting to slowly break away and you're not missing, you're not noticing it, but the more you do it, the more the pieces break away. And then the more the joy starts coming through. And you just have to trust and believe that it can happen because it has, you know, well, it's happened for me. It sounds like it's happened with you, you know, and we are work in progress for sure. Oh, yeah. But I can guarantee you I am so much happier and full of joy. I am so much better than I am today than I was even last month or even 10 years ago. So it's a process and just know that it's a process. And, you know, it's to remember that it's all in the perspective that you take.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: When you when you focus on that perspective, that heaviness, the depression, the anger, what, all those dense emotions, when you start focusing on that perspective, then you're just going to bring more of that to you. And you're just never, it's just going to keep surrounding you and surrounding you and surrounding you. It, you know, just changing your perspective, even a little bit will totally make dramatic changes one
1: of the things i've done to shift me um is when i complete something like so we were talking before i started recording that editing Uh uh-huh editing is it doesn't matter how long you've done it editing is a process yeah and so i finished editing uh an episode on wednesday Mm -hmm. and instead of just sitting there and going okay now what do i do i actually got up yeah Listened to some music, I danced, and then I started painting for a good half hour just to celebrate the fact that I did it. And perfect. You know, that's just something people don't think of doing. It's like, you know, you can reward yourself and it doesn't have to cost a penny.
2: No, they don't.
1: And shifting Mm -hmm. your perspective out of, oh, I just finished, it's like, this is hard, to, okay, that's amazing. You did it.
2: Go do something fun now. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I work with clients, a lot of people, a lot of my clients are, you know, grief stricken and, but a lot of my clients are just relationship problems and they're just stuck in, oh, my relationship didn't work out, whatever it is. And my, my first question is like, so what do you do for fun? Um, Mm. nothing. I don't know. Well, you need to figure that out because (laughs) exactly, you need to reward yourself. You need to set time for yourself, Mm. for your play, whatever that means to you. And there's oh, no right or wrong. Yeah. It doesn't have to be an extravagant amount of time, just whatever that is for you. And, you know, yeah, people don't do it enough for sure.
0: One
1: of my favorite things to do is I have bubbles. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. We live in a yeah. apartment, so I'll just blow bubbles uh-huh. in the window and see people. <laughs>
2: to that is beautiful. awesome. <laughs> I love that. That's a great idea. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I have four, my four grandkids. So yeah, they, you know, three of my grandkids are a little bit older, but I still have a two and a half year old grandson. And he loves, you know, that's such a fun age, because they're just so fascinated with bubbles. Mm-hmm. And yeah, oh, yeah, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fun.
1: Okay, so two more
2: things.
1: Okay. Um, do you have any takeaways you hope people will learn from your book and from your story?
2: Yeah. Um. I do want people to know, again, their, their loved ones are always with them. They always will be, um, there's just no way around it. Um, and just to remember that and to do what you need to do to connect with God, because the closer you are to your creator, the more you will believe in that. So first and foremost, your loved ones are not gone. They've just changed forms and they're always with you. I think that's the biggest takeaway. The other one is no matter what situation you've been in, or for me, it was a witness. I witnessed my sister's tragedy. No matter what situation you're in, you can always find joy. Always. Always. Um, Yeah, there's just, it just it, it kind of makes me sad thinking about it because i was thinking about my clients and it just it breaks my heart that they just feel like life as they know it is gone and don't get me wrong life as they know it is different right. but life is change and life is also death too and you know these are our lessons that we need to embrace that we will that we're here to overcome. And it, it can be done. And I can't say that enough, because I know it can, I've been there. And um, I, I just hope that this book will help help people find a little bit of peace. And, um, and I, I do hope that, like you resonated with a sentence, I hope people are able to pick out a little sentence and and resonate with it to help them with their grief.
1: No, it was more than one, but I just focused on one. Well,
2: well, that you <laughs> talked about, yeah, just yeah. Well, thank you. That that makes me feel good. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad you were able to do that because you know that's my whole purpose, and I I really want people to. But I'm glad, yeah, that even if there was just a word, I just want people to I hope can resonate with it and and feel a little bit lighter mm. because of it. Thank you. I am also
1: aware of the fact that you are going to have a book tour on the West
2: Coast coming up soon. Yeah. I yeah. Am. It's so, f- I, yeah, I, I, you know, it's one of those things you don't really expect. Yeah. Which makes it more fun when it happens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I knew it was going to be Tucson, Phoenix, because I'm in Arizona. But right. when the opportunity, right, you're gonna be I know it's just so random how the opportunities, and again, it's a perfect example of how, when you listen to the guidance, mm-hmm. whether it's my sister or the angels, God, I mean, it's all part of the creator, you know, yeah, it's all yeah. part of God. When you follow it, even though it's scary, you, these opportunities present itself and you just open yourself up to it. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong. It's, it's scary. Oh, you know, yeah, I mean, fantastic. yeah. I mean tucson i'm familiar with phoenix would be a little more but seattle but i'm opening up to receive the great opportunities and i am so thrilled about it i'm sorry my one tip about seattle yeah don't drive it really (laughs) okay i definitely won't (laughs) Good, good to know. Good to know. I definitely won't. Scary, scary driving in Seattle. Oh my gosh, that's scary. You know, I went to Seattle a long time ago for a conference, but I've only been there the one time. So it's I'm, beautiful. It's yo, a really beautiful city. Yeah, and the driving is crazy. Oh yeah, then I won't do that. No, yeah. I won't be doing that. And I'm taking my my younger daughter with me. Oh, awesome. Um, it's summer vacation for her, and so we're gonna. She loves baseball, so we're gonna go to a couple of baseball games too. So yeah, so we're excited. Oh,
1: awesome! So you're gonna be up. You're gonna be up at the Barnes and Noble Northgate Mall location on Friday, July 26th from six to eight. That is correct. Yeah, and uh, hopefully you'll make it down to Portland too.
2: <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. I would love to go to, I've never been to Portland. I would love to go to Portland. That would it's be a awesome. It's cool city. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. From what I've heard and what I've seen in pictures, absolutely. But yeah. And, and we're, you know, in the process of securing some more things for Seattle, but right now that's the confirmed one. Yeah. Barnes and Noble. So really excited about that.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah. And one more thing, how can, yeah. uh, how can my listeners learn more about your work and stay sure. connected with you online?
2: Yeah. Well, my website is uh, mistymthompson.com. And um, if they're interested in connecting through Facebook, it's um, at mystifiedenlightenment. And Instagram is at misty underscore m underscore Thompson. Thank
1: you. Yeah, thank you. Missy, it has been such a pleasure and an honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. You're so very welcome. The action item of the week is to test out what you have as a limiting belief. Here's an example. What do you think about money? What's the first thought you have about money? Now that you've thought about that, I want you to sit with it. Think about the logic behind it. Think about whether you really think that's true and why you came to come with that conclusion. Once you've done that, guess what? You've found a limiting belief. Now you get to sit with the emotions behind that belief and clear yourself of it. I don't know about you, but to me, that sounds like a really amazing process. Until next week. I wish you the highest peace, love, and prosperity. Namaste. Can you help
0: me redefine Truth and preservation of our soul shine I can feel it yours and mine Close your eyes and witness it inside In your bones you will know Trust and let go and let it flow